Are you looking to live the abundant life no matter what your income is? You're in the right place. This is the podcast that will teach and inspire you to live better. Whether you want to earn more, save more, or improve your relationship with money or people, it's time for the 90 Days to Abundance podcast, brought to you by SavingsAngel.com. Here's your host, the Chief Executive Angel of SavingsAngel.com, Josh Elledge. Hey, thank you so much, Cece, and welcome to the show. Thank you for clicking play. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could listen to right now. I mean, you could listen to that smooth jazz radio station right now. You could listen to some talk radio and you could get your dander up. Or, you know, you could spend some time with me. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to show you some stuff that's going to be really, really good for you in and in a very entertaining way. Because on today's show, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the saving money side of things, and I'm going to share with you how you can earn some extra money. I'm going to do that by interviewing a friend of mine, Michael O'Neill. Now, Michael hosts a podcast. It's called the Solopreneur Hour, and I'm going to ask him what that means. What is a solopreneur? And uh, what, what Michael focuses on is helping people achieve success in business. And he's got a great story. In particular, I'm pretty sure he's going to tell us about his experience, about how he turned down a quarter million dollar job to start his own work. And so Michael's going to have some great information. If you've ever fancied uh, yourself as becoming an entrepreneur and maybe a little working a little bit more independently, I think you're going to enjoy this program. If you're mainly here because, you know, you like the coupons and the freebies and the saving money kind of stuff, don't worry. The very next program is going to be all about that. But before I get to Michael, I want to let you know that if you are an entrepreneur or you'd like to become successful in business, I'd like you to check out my new company. And it's Millions in Free Media. And it's a website that tells my story of how I was able to get over $8 million in free advertising by working with the media. And I teach you step-by-step how you can create the same thing. So again, you can find that at millionsinfreemedia.com. And there's a free 60-minute webinar where I teach you all of my secrets. And I'd love to have you. It's absolutely free. And it's my way of looking at what I can provide the entrepreneurial community. As a matter of fact, Michael and I kind of talk about that. And I share some of my own insecurities with starting a company like that. So again, thank you so much for clicking play. And now let's get to my conversation with Michael O'Neill of The Solopreneur Hour. And Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour, welcome to 90 Days to Abundance. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Michael, um, I-, I would love to start by having you kind of introduce your background because I was reading your bio. You have a really amazing story, a really, really interesting story that I could absolutely see has made you the person that you are today. And I'm wondering if you could share that with us. Yes, I I um I was a web guy. I was a web guy for uh 18 years. Um really now it's been 20 I suppose. I I I was a designer and a developer and started doing it in 1994 actually. That's when I sort of discovered my my love for doing kind of online and web stuff and I did that for many years. Um it's funny looking back on it now I realize that 
even when I was with a company, I was virtually unemployable. Um, I was sort of building uh, an entrepreneurial path within hmm. the company that I was in, and we'll, we'll get back to that in a bit. But um, I was, it was about the mid-2000s when I lost both of my parents. Uh, I was sort of had a regular, I had like a six-figure gig at a Fortune 500 company, and um, even though I, I hated it because I was unemployable, uh, it was a good gig, and I was, hmm. I was doing well. And uh, I lost both my parents. One was not a huge surprise. The other one was a very huge surprise. And mm. it really sent me into a tailspin. I, if we're talking finance, I I literally lost everything. I lost my 401k and my retirement and my I had a couple of cars and a house. And Michael, how did that happen? And well, my life was, you know, mom falls and breaks her hip, needs 24 oh, days of rehab. Yeah. Insurance pays for 10. It's $2,000 a day. Mm. So multiply that times four years and, and things go pretty quick. And not only that, but at the time, I'd, I was, um, I didn't last long at that company. That Fortune 500 company was a year mm. of, of the four. And when you're a freelancer, there has to be a certain rhythm to your life. You've got to, you know, there's some moments when you're seeking new business. There's some moments when you maybe have a little bit too much business and you have to get it all done. But you've always, you always have to have something in the pipeline. And there's always, you know, because you've got to really, you know, you're going to finish a project and you're going to need income after that. So there's a lot of hustle that happens when you're a freelancer. And mm-hmm. I was so disrupted by this, this other piece of my life that I couldn't get into a flow with that stuff. Like, so I wasn't making money the way I should be. My work was probably a little scattered. I didn't share this with you, but I was actually pretty much kind of on the same career path and uh, developing in the uh, late 90s. And uh, matter of fact, I, I went to school to be a family therapist. And that, that was my career path. And meanwhile, while I was studying family sciences in undergrad, all of the professors at that time wanted to be on the internet. And so I maxed out on my internship and research credits, uh, and that, which helped my GPA as well. And basically sure. just, I did the webpage for every single professor in the, in the school of family science. And as a result, ended up learning more about internet development than I did family science and, and, and then got offered jobs to make way more than if I had stayed and got my master's in family therapy. So I, I understand where you're at and, and the money and, and everything just being thrown at you. Uh, it's, it, was, it was an exciting time when there was not a lot of competition. You were in high demand. Yeah. And it's, I think, especially in that time, it was such an interesting time to be part of the, the web and dot com world because it was just the Wild West. It's kind of like what yeah. podcasting is right now. Right. You know, podcasting feels to me very much like it, the internet world a few years ago mm-hmm. where just everyone is jumping into it. I think a lot, um, we get a lot of people that probably shouldn't, shouldn't be jumping true, into it. True. Uh, and, and then a few that come out that are, that are discovering that they're actually extraordinary and this is something they should be doing. So mm. it's pretty cool to be part of this. Um, at any rate, that my, my story was, you know, I ended up having to, in 2007, that was it. I was like decimated emotionally, mm. financially. I, I mean, it was one of those things where I, at the time I was looking for any, I was sort of, it reminded me always of that, that one scene in Saving Private Ryan after the, the, the beginning, right? That everybody remembers. Yeah. There's that one guy that's walking around this, this, you know, Omaha beach 
and he's just dazed and he's just walking around and he doesn't really know what happened and he doesn't really know what happened to his friends and he sort of has no idea and that's kind of where I was I was in the situation where I wasn't I wasn't sure what I wanted to do I didn't know if I wanted to do any more web stuff again I was very broken hearted you know from my 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 parents and it was just a, a really tough time and so I'd met this guy through uh, a mutual friend and this guy had we he wrote me a message once and it said yeah I made my fortune in the cable industry and there was a couple things about that that struck mm -hmm. me one I grew up um, or rather I went to Temple University in Philly and my degree was in broadcasting telecommunications and mass media so I studied the cable mm -hmm. industry interesting so first that was inter that was interesting to me to find out oh the, who the, who's this guy and second he used the phrase I I earned my fortune and that that phrase that word fortune is only used by people that have typically made one. And here's what I mean by that. That that is a it's one thing, you know, we get this sort of nouveau rich people like, yeah, you know, I did well or mm -hmm. yeah, that really worked out for me. They're sort of intentionally sort of humble brag downplaying the <laughs> the yeah. the the success that they've had or you know, I had a fair bit of success or something. That's what people say that are millionaires in you know, because they invested in some Facebook stock. Like, that's what they say. Oh, yeah, I, that, that stock did well for me, you know? And you can see that they've got $600 loafers on in a, in a vintage Rolex. And you go, yeah, it, sound, it looked like it did pretty well for you. Um, hmm. But this guy said, I made my fortune. And that is a very different phrase. And that's yeah. typically only uttered by the Bransons of the world. Yeah. Because they're the ones that... Could, Trump can't utter that. But Branson could. and And so... That's interesting. If let's say, you know, I was in that position and, uh, you know, would I say that phrase in mixed company? Because I think a lot of us would be apprehensive of doing that in mixed company. Like you wouldn't post that on your Facebook uh, feed with all of your high school friends, for example, that may be a very, you know, large cross section of demographics. Or would you? Yeah, but it's very different, Josh, when you are, when you have actually you know, maybe you're in the bees, maybe you're a billionaire and it, there's a different aloofness of mm. that particular brand. They're just, there's an aloofness to a really, really, really wealthy person Yeah, that it is, and I'll, I'll, this is how it manifested itself. So I, I, I emailed the dude and at this point I'm just looking for any gig, like, <laughs> please, can I do a website for you? Is there something I'm trying to save yeah. my house, you know? And the guy says, "Why don't you why don't you come up come up and meet me?" And I say, "Okay." And I I I'm not kidding. I had sold both of my cars to try to save my house, and I borrowed my friend's destroyed, crappy old Toyota pickup truck. Uh, I had about two dollars and thirty cents that I put into gas so I could drive to Denver and meet this guy. And so I go to his penthouse that's above McCormick and Schmidt's in the tech center in Denver. I open the door and he's five six, small, yeah, dude. Um, wearing uh, pajama bottoms, a Abercrombie and Fitch football jersey, slippers. He's got a long, long hair and a long white beard. And he says, "I oh, he he opens the door and he says, welcome. Uh, come on in. Wait right here. Again, there's that aloof sort of like very direct wealthy guy yeah. thing. And I'm sitting in his kitchen looking around, like checking stuff out. And uh, on the wall next to me is... Um, pictures, six or so, uh, 
him with Carter, then him with Reagan, then him with Bush, then him with Clinton, then him huh. with Bush. That's that's what's on like, and they're either on a golf course or out to dinner or whatever. But that's him with all of them. And I'm thinking, who am I meeting yeah. right now? Like, yeah. Who is definitely eccentric? I think a lot of folks would say. And, and again, follow the follow the path to super rich guy. There, you rarely find one that's kind of boring. They're yeah. all a little weird. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there there's a little Aspergers happening in every <laughs> in every rich guy. I think. Um. So. So you should quote me on that. That yeah. should be the tweet of this episode. There's a little Asperger's in every rich guy. So he comes in and we start chatting. And as it turns out, this guy, when you beam a television signal to a satellite, he makes money hmm. from that. And I was like, oh, is that all? Because that's that. And that's infrastructure right. wealth. That's like real big time Rockefeller kind of wealth that he has. And he said, you know, Michael, this is after talking for a couple hours. He said, you know, um, he was really great. Great to talk to. Very sort of intimate. Dug right in. Super smart. You could just tell knowing him would be full of opportunity yeah. and the way yeah. his brain works. And he said, you know, Michael, I could easily find you something where you could get, you could make a quarter of a million dollars a year and you'd probably meet some pretty girl and live in Boulder and, and have a, have a great life. But, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's okay, uh, really. No objections. And, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. If you, if that's fine. He goes, because he had just offered me, I'm no kidding, he just offered me about a three-quarter of a million dollar, first time we met, plopped down a contract and said, I want you to run a casino. But it was a long story. And I said, no. I'm like, that's not, I'm not interested in that. And he goes, you know, 99 out of 100 people would have snatched that up. Like, that would have been a dream gig yeah. for them. He goes, but not you. He goes, and I, he said, why? And I said, it's just not, it's not my thing. I don't, I can't see myself wearing a $4,000 suit and yeah, running around a casino right. every day. It's just not my thing. And uh, he goes, and that's why you're going to be a millionaire. So I'm not going to help you. You've had so much chaos in your life over the last four years. You haven't even had a chance to mourn. And that really struck mm. me because it was very true. I'd never, I had never sort of processed, oh, my dad died. And then, oh yeah, my mom died seven months later. Like it was, it was very much like the notebook for them, but it was something that I didn't, I didn't physically process and I lost it on this guy's uh -huh. couch. And I, I thought right then the only way I'm going to reset is to really sit and deal with this and mourn. I need to, I need to mourn the loss of my parents. Uh -huh. So I'd, I, one of my goals as a successful human was like, my dad was the kind of guy that would drive across country in Winnebago, but wouldn't jump on a flight to Paris for six hours. And I said, I'm going to go. Um, so I always wanted to surprise them with a trip to Europe. That was my thing. And I said, I'm going to do it anyway. So I got a, I went to the restaurant supply store in Denver and I got a little Italian Parmesan cheese shaker and I got their ashes and I went to Europe wow. for four months and I spread them. Uh, I mean, they're on the, they're on the beaches of Normandy. They're in the Sistine Chapel. Um, sometimes I had to go a little Shawshank Redemption with it because yeah. you're not allowed to spread ashes sure. in the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> um, but I had them. Uh, it was amazing. It was like this, you know, months of uh, catharsis, of a real, true catharsis. And I came back from, on my connecting flight from D.C. back to Denver, I landed from Brussels into D.C. and I had $14. And not like I better go hit the ATM, but I literally had $14. And it was like, okay, my, I, was in my, I was sitting in my brother's guest bed uh, room a, a couple hours later, and I was like, okay, then what happens? Now I'm a dude in his late 30s. 
Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew what I didn't ever want to do again was work an hour for a dollar. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. Um, I learned too much about sort of loss mm, and mm-hmm, and time mm-hmm. freedom to to ever do that again. You know, it, you know, it's it's sad that it takes us sometimes. You know, we try to mentor people and we say, yeah, you know, don't do this, and then they have to go through it themselves just to they need to that trigger ex- that experiential thing. Right, but we don't want it. We don't want our loved ones to do that. Right, right? like we see, we know the mistake we made, and we go, if you cannot do that, it's going to really help your life. Yeah, and they do like it anyway. Kids. And it, 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 yeah, that's what I mean. And it, and it, it hoses them. And so, I, I was kind of like, it sucks that that's the way we have to learn those lessons. But the major lesson I learned from losing my parents is, you, we can't. There's no substitute for time. There's none. So if I'm going to have, uh, if I'm going to become a, a solopreneur, I need time freedom, I need location freedom, and I need financial mm-hmm. freedom. And time freedom is really, really easy to get. You can just walk over to your boss's office and tell him I quit. And then you've yeah. got time freedom. Then, and that's it. Now, that could be a little rough on paying the mortgage. Yeah, you would, now, one location would think, freedom, yes. Yeah, location freedom, you can, you know, it's one of those things where we can, you know, we, we, we think that we have ties. We think that because we grew up somewhere or because our kids went to or go, are in the middle of school, that that means we can't move anywhere. Well, the truth is that it takes a couple hours, maybe four hours to get across this whole country in a plane. It's kids will adjust. And if you really want to live somewhere else, you should live somewhere else because no matter what happens in your life, if everything's going wrong, and you like you love the water, well then even if everything's going wrong, you can still wake up and go take a walk on the beach. Yeah, like yeah. that's and that's invaluable. So then the third piece of it is that financial freedom. And that's the part that, you know, yeah, I think you and I are probably talking about today, which is, well, how do we do that? How do we get that part handled? So anyway, so what happened to me is I I went from that point and uh decided that I wasn't gonna do it again. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad or I'm sorry, I read um the cat uh, no Cashflow the E Myth Revisited. Oh E-Myth. yeah, I read all oh, of those. Gosh, yeah, E Myth oh, Revisited. Yeah. Um I just spoke to Michael Gerber on the show. Um on my show. This I saw that, yeah. Um Yeah, and uh uh he was a pain. Um, anyway, <laughs> <I know. laughs> um He can he can yeah. afford to be. He he was a cantankerous old man, <laughs> but he was uh he was very he was very um he was very assured with what he was yeah, saying. It was yeah. cool. Um, anyway, so I read that book. I decided because of that book that I could franchise myself by listening to Robert Kiyosaki and getting into a, a network marketing company. So I did that, and I did that for three years. And I actually built a fantastic mm-hmm. business, made amazing connections from it. Um, and all of those connections essentially led into what I'm doing now, which is I have a, a business podcast. Well, it's really, I think it's an entertainment podcast, but it's in the business category and it's called the solo. So Michael, you mentioned network marketing and some people look at that as kind of a dirty word. And, but I like what you shared because I think one of the best, greatest benefits of network marketing is what you learn and the fact that, I mean, it is all about building a big network and networks are extremely valuable, no matter if you're going to start your own business or if you just want to advance in your career. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think there's a few really hidden benefits of network marketing companies. Um, first of all, no, they're not all the same. 
Um, this is what I like to talk to people when people say, "Oh, well, you know, I my brother was in Amway and and uh, you know he spent thousands of dollars, nothing ever happened." And I say, "Yeah, we had a 1985 Dodge Omni, and every door handle was broken on the inside of the car, so we actually had to get out of the rear passenger door." Um, if we, and then as soon as you shut the car off, you'd get out of the car and it would run for another three minutes because the fuel <laughs> pump kept running. It was the, it was such a bad car. Now, does that mean that I never drove another car? No. And that's, that's exactly the same analogy I can give for network marketing companies. They're not all the same. You know what I mean? There, there are Enrons in the world and there are great, and there are the apples of mm-hmm. the world. So you find a company that does have integrity, does have products that you like and that you would use on a regular basis whether or not you are building a business out of them. So once you have that handled, some of the the really great benefits of these companies are, um, for me anyway, is, is first community. You're really surrounding yourself with a community of people that are generally very motivated. Uh, they are... They're very positive. They're looking, you know, often there's a, there's a real element that they're, especially if it's a health and wellness company, that they're really trying to change, uh, people for the sure. better. And, and they, they do it with often a results based, uh, product because if people didn't get results on it, they wouldn't use it month after month. And there's people that are using it for 10 years. So it's like, okay, if it didn't work for you, maybe it's not the product. Um, the, I like the fact that, you know, we tell people, Obviously, you want a you want a scalable business. You want one that you can do online. You want one that generates passive or residual income. Well, that's something that a network marketing company can do. All of those things. And the great part about it is you don't have to create the product. Like it's it's built in. You've got a you've got a basically a yeah, franchise. Exactly. Right. So they give you all the advertising. They give you all the product. The product gets drop shipped right from their company right to whoever your customer is. You don't have to carry inventory. There's like a million compelling reasons from a business standpoint. Killer, killer tax write-offs. Monster tax write-offs. Writing off rent and cell phones and car payments and I mean all kinds of stuff because you need all of those things to run your network marketing business. And then for me, probably the biggest is that you have direct access to C-level executives and all those C-level executives want to do is get you on the phone and train you and help you. So you literally get hundreds of thousands of dollars of business free, free business training. If that's all you signed up for, um, you could get, I mean, because the stuff I learned at my company, which is called Isogenics, I use use all of it all the Mm -hmm. time, just in terms of audience growth, connecting with my, my, my people, um, marketing, tons of marketing ideas, tons of business and building a uh, relationship building. I mean, all the, all the stuff that is required to build a real business you can do in a network marketing company. It's just, you don't, you're not providing the, the, uh, the, the package of the yeah. product. So that's kind of some of the reasons why I think it's great. And, yeah, and I, and I, and I do think that there's this, there's this conception out there that, well, if you join network marketing, marketing, it's just all about hitting, trying to convince your family and friends that they need to do your deal. And, and I think that that's something that can be dispelled. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's so funny too. It, first of all, of course you want, if, if it's, if you're doing something like for me, I had come back from Europe. I was 15 pounds heavier than I'd ever been yeah. before because I had no money. So I was eating a lot of fries <laughs> with mayo while I was over there. And 
uh, I needed to like get fit. I had a few friends that were using these products and the dude said, you should try this. So I did it and I lost 13 pounds in like two weeks. And I was like, sold, done. If it's that easy for me and I'm the world's biggest skeptic, then okay, then I'm, then I can do right. this. So of course I would want my friends and my family to be involved. Like that's, that would be, that's a no brainer. I, I, I honestly, I wish that, I wish that I had been involved with this company when my parents were still alive because mm -hmm. I think I could have yeah. helped them. So, um, and this isn't what I do. All I'm a, just a product user now. And that maybe that's a testament to what I'm exactly what I'm right. saying, which is I pay a couple hundred bucks a month just to use the products. I'm not building a business out of it. I'm just using the products. And so, and, and it's, you know, at 42, most people don't think I look 42 and I certainly don't feel 42. So, so far, yeah. so good. Um, <laughs> and, and Michael, I, what do you think about the phrase? Is, you know, I like that you um, equated network marketing to kind of like a, a small-scale franchise. And I kind of look at it as you know, being a business owner with training wheels. In other words, you, can still, you could still ride. You could still go fast. But it, it's, it's a great way to introduce yourself. And you'll learn so much about being a business owner. You know, set aside the, you know, the fact that, you, you know, all, as you mentioned, the tax benefits that you'll get. I mean, look, you can either buy your cell phone, your car, and that portion of your home, and all those other expenses. You can either pay full tax on that to Uncle Sam, or you can write off a portion of them. It, it's up to you. Network marketing is a lot like a franchise. If you were to try to buy a McDonald's, uh, for instance, you'd have to pay like $1.3 million to get on their list. And I don't know how much the actual initial franchise cost is, but it's somewhere in a couple million dollars. And then you've got to build the building exactly the way they want you to build it. Then they'll supply the advertising and all the packaging and all that kind of stuff. And you have to pay McDonald's a fee every month. You pay them a franchise fee to continue to use their advertising to, you know, to supplement what they're paying in TV ads and print ads and radio ads. And that's exactly how a network marketing company works. You have a company. Um, you've got, they create a product. And you pay them essentially a franchise fee. And usually that's a couple hundred bucks a month. The good news is if it's a company like, um, mine's a, mine has like health and wellness supplements, that's, I can eat my overhead. So I'm paying a couple hundred bucks, but I'm actually consuming that. That's breakfast to me. So, um, and I'm fine with that. That's, that's great. That's, you know, whatever that is. So five bucks, five bucks a day for breakfast or whatever it turns out to be. And, uh, I'm fine with that. So, and, you know, and otherwise you just learn, you learn such great business skills. And by the way, this, this, this show isn't about, um, network marketing. I'm just saying that was the path that I chose. Uh, that's the path I chose. And from that, I met such incredible people, one of which was, uh, a fantastic speaker. And he really, he taught a lot about, you know, mindset and overcoming limiting beliefs and things like that. Because every, everybody that wants to be an entrepreneur is faced with these, doubts that they can even do it. Do I know enough? Am I going to grow? Um, can I make money? Can I quit my job? Like there's all these things that uh, there's a lot of fear around it. So a lot of network marketing companies have people that will help people get over that stuff. So in this case, he was the VP of personal development. And we had a conversation once and I said, you know, you should really try to grow your brand more globally. And he said, how do I do that? And I said, what about a podcast? And he said, what's a podcast? And that was it. That was uh, May of 2012. We launched uh, the Kick-Ass Life with David Wood. And it was um, 
that was the first one that I had created from scratch. And it was a, um, it's, it's still one of the top self-help shows on iTunes, but I did all the branding. I did, you know, everything. I, we, I did everything. I did the voiceover and the intro music and the outro music and, and everything. And so it, it was very, very successful. And we were a partnership. I decided about a year and a half into it that I wanted to start my own show and launch the Solopreneur Hour uh, in August, late August of 2013. So it's just been a year. 1.5 million downloads and monetized it to a quarter of a million dollars. And it's been, it's been a real, uh, who knew that that's, it was kind of that exactly like who knew that that was going to be my, my career. Uh, five years and, ago. Uh, you know, one thing I think regardless of which business you start, and I, and I think this has application to working within, you know, working a regular job as well in corporate America, but I think there's something to be said for grit and ambition. And I think that there's, you know, that's one of those things that hopefully you, hopefully you learn that lesson very early in your business career, or it's going to be a very expensive lesson that you just can't put up a shingle and say, well, I'm in business. I'm just going to sell pies because I make the world's best pies. And that, you know, that's how magically business gets done. And I'm wondering if you could talk about that, that grit and ambition, that's, you know, that, that personality trait that I think anybody can develop where they just need to reach down and do things that other people are not willing to do. Well, yes, first of all, I, I think oftentimes when I have people on my show, there's a bit of a common theme. Maybe they were athletes when they were younger. And I think if anybody grows up an athlete, they definitely get the picking up by bootstraps and sacrifice piece of being an entrepreneur. You know, if you were on the swim team when you were a kid, that means you're getting up at four in the morning, you're, you know, swimming before school and then going to school and then swimming after school. Um, or in my case, I was a competitive tennis player when I was in high school, and there was many, many, many hours of sweltering under the hot sun. I was in Florida, yeah. So it was like, you know, or I, I, the other thing, I was a, I was a BMX kid. I was a freestyle. I was a sponsored, like, trick bike rider, and I had just watched uh, a few weeks ago uh, comedians in cars getting coffee <laughs> with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. I think this one was with Chris Rock. And Jerry was talking about how he was walking by a skate park and he watched this kid try this trick like 10 times and he kept crashing and falling and falling and falling and falling and then he hit it. And then Jerry said, that kid's going to be all right. Yeah. Like that, that is such a perfect metaphor for being an entrepreneur is that fall, 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 and then you nail it. And I think it really stems from um, athletics is a really easy way for people to get it. So there's a, there's a bit of heart there that you have to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I think musicianship does as well, knowing that you're sort of on this lifelong journey that you'll never be the best ever, <laughs> but you can always get better. Yeah. And, and realize that, that this is, there's no end game. It's not like, I can't look at my drum set and go, okay, I learned drums now. <laughs> yeah, right, it. right. That's, That's it. a great analogy. I'm, right. I've got this. And so being an entrepreneur is this, constant state of flux that you have to, you've got to take things as they come and then realize that this is what you've signed up for. Mm. Like when the shipment doesn't get delivered, you know, on time and you need to be at a trade show the next day, that's what happens, dude. Mm. That's how this goes. Yep. So, 
that and and you adjust and you work it out because that's what happens. So you if you have to find yourself thinking on your feet quite a bit. Uh, my girlfriend is in a startup now, and this is a, she's a I would say more on the conservative side, more on the slightly more corporate side. But then now now they're in this. She's in a bit of a volatile startup situation. Her dad, who runs the company, hey, he's been an entrepreneur his whole life. So when she freaks out about stuff, he's like, ah, it'll be fine. We'll work it out, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the that's that mindset is that everything is figure outable. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, or in my case, a solopreneur, everything's figure outable. Like it, things will happen, and you'll go, okay, well, that happened, and how do we adjust? How do we move on? And so I think that grit has to be taken with that grain of salt which is that, you know, they invented the phrase Murphy's Law for a reason. And those kinds of things, if you're the kind of person that you're a, you're a total planner and when things don't go according to plan, then you freak out, this is mm. not your sandbox to play yeah. in. This is definitely not it. But if you're someone that can kind of roll with the punches and go, all right, you know, then you've got really a huge, colossal leg up over most people. So what about someone, and just kind of pulling it back a little bit, what about someone who says, well, gosh, I just I just don't think that that's really me, but I would like to do something on the side. I would like to, you know, create some extra money on my own. Maybe it's just part-time. They have a hobby or they they have a skill, and they'd like to make that skill available uh, and their goals aren't to replace their income, but they'd like to earn maybe an extra $400, $600 a month. Uh, what advice do you give those people? Well, join a network marketing company <laughs> would be the first <laughs> thing I would give. Because um, that, that, what you just laid out was the exact, not only the exact sort of uh, stereotypical network marketing person, but about the stereotypical income they make as well. That extra five or 600 bucks a month, and that's cool. But Barring that, if you want to do something on your own, the you've got five ways to. You have, first of all, you have to build an audience first. No one knows or cares who you are, right? Mm -hmm. So, I can't just if I had come out with the Michael O'Neill show, I would have gotten four people that would have listened to it. <laughs> but since it was the Solopreneur Hour, well, that sounds a little more compelling. And now they look at the tagline and say, "Oh, job security for the unemployable." Huh? That's worth a listen. But if it was the Michael O'Neill show, no one would have listened at all. So first you've got to build an audience. Uh, that has to happen. And you've got five ways to do it. You've got social media, so you can do it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Pinterest or whatever. You can do Google Hangouts, which are basically like, it's like a Skype call, but you can put 10 people on. So if you have something you are good at, you can share it with a small group of people at a time. Uh, you can do it with a podcast. Podcast right now is the new black. It's, it is the quickest way to build an audience. Um, you can do it with a blog. So if you are a blogger, if you're a good writer, you can you can write a blog and get people attracted that way. Or you can do it with uh, YouTube. I have a face for radio, so I decided <laughs> that I'm going to stick to podcasting. And that's but those are really it. I mean, those are unless you have access to traditional media, there's no real other ways to build audience. One could make an argument for teleseminars, but they all have to stem from one of the other the other five. So once you've sort of figured out what it is you want to talk about, which is your brand, um, then you can take that information and disseminate as much free, compelling information as you can on one of those platforms. Hmm. People will then, they will come. If you build it, they will eventually come. The cool part about any kind of online business, especially when you're teaching someone, especially like 
you don't have to be the best at the world at what you do. You just have to be better than the people you're teaching. You have to know more than they do. And that was a very profound statement that I heard. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's really true. Like, I may not be the best drummer in the world, but I could easily teach a beginning drummer. Yeah. Like, no problem. You know, I, you wouldn't probably want to come to one of my master classes because you'd be like, it would take about three minutes and I'd be done with everything I know. But if I was reaching, you know, some 12 year old kid said, I want to learn drums. Oh yeah, I could teach him that. And I could teach him rudiments. I could teach him groove. I, you know, there's things I could teach. So if you're great at Excel spreadsheets, well, that's, there's a market there. People, someone needs to know that. And the cool thing about online business is that you don't need thousands of people. You can build a six-figure income with hundreds of people. Mm. You could put 5,000 people on a mailing list and make six figures a year just from doing webinars and affiliate sales. You could teach a, a Excel spreadsheet ninja class for $97. Hey, you get 10 people to that and you've got a grant. There are probably people listening and saying, what? People would never pay $97 for an Excel spreadsheet class. Oh, of course. Yes, they would. Are you kidding me? When you look at how much it costs people to get corporate training, um, there's there are literally hundreds and hundreds of courses on because maybe it's not just Excel spreadsheets. Maybe it's Excel spreadsheets for human resources directors yeah. in the health industry. Very right? niche. So now, yeah. yeah. So now you've got a very sort of niche way to speak to people. If you don't think you can come up with a hundred people that might want that in the world of 8 billion people. So you can make your 10 grand. You're nuts. You can easily do that. And that's, that's the beauty. Michael, so you see, so you think that there's, uh, for those listening and those who are thinking, gosh, you know, I would love to just earn some extra money on the side. I, I'm just adamantly opposed to network marketing. I appreciate what you were saying, guys, but it's just, I'm just absolutely never going to do that. But I do enjoy teaching other people. So it sounds like what you're saying is, there's a pretty good opportunity to teach people over the internet. And and what do you think the best ways of getting started doing that might be? Well, that I like the teaching side. I also like affiliate sales. Mm-hmm. And that's another way to to get use somebody else's product, maybe something that you use. Let's say you have an app that you use all the time. Um let me think of one. Like uh in like let's let's just say for fun, let's just say that Facebook was a paid service, right? So mm-hmm. maybe, so let's say Facebook costs you nineteen ninety five a month to participate in. But if you became their affiliate, you could recommend Facebook to your friends. And if your friends signed up, then instead of nineteen ninety, they'd still pay nineteen ninety, you know, ninety five a month. But every time they paid, you get four dollars from it. Yeah, that's what an affiliate sale is. And so you could, there's products, literally millions of products that. Um, from hard goods to, I mean, you can become an Amazon affiliate and sell anything you want from Amazon. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to do it. The other thing is, I interviewed Amy Porterfield, who's known as a real Facebook marketing expert. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I asked her was, if you had $1,000 right now and you took away everything else, how much could you turn it into at the end of the month? And what would you do? And so she thought about it for a minute and she said... I could turn it into ten thousand dollars. I said, "How would you do that?" She said, "Well, I would, I would find an affiliate uh, product that I liked, that had a good commission on it. I would 
build a website for virtually free. I mean, a hundred dollars or something, get, get a designer. So maybe 300 of that would be, um, building the site up and a, a presence. And then she would invest $700 in Facebook ads to drive traffic to a live webinar that she would do on Google Hangouts that she would then send people to her sales page and she converts. She knows exactly how to do that. And that all is the power of Facebook ads. Wow. So if you think about that and you're sitting on a thousand dollars, you know what, you know what's between you and that ten thousand dollars? About two weeks of studying. Yeah. Online. I'm not even kidding. It's about two weeks of you learning who's doing Facebook ads, investing in a couple of courses to learn how to do them and how to build sort of an affiliate funnel. And that's it. So it's, it's honestly, we live in this time where it's the easiest possible thing to start businesses online. So, um, I think that in, in that case, if someone wanted to really start something, the first thing I would do is I would start surrounding myself with the people that are doing what it is you want to do. And I would probably hire a coach. I would get into somebody's group coaching program and say, Hey, I want to, I want to learn how to do this. There's too much noise on the internet. Can you guys help me sort of funnel this noise into, Mm. into a, a smaller, more palatable way. And that's why most people, you know, that are in the internet marketing world, uh, myself, Pat Flynn, John, uh, John Lee Dumas, Nick Unsworth, Amy Porterfield, Kayla. I mean, this list goes on. Every one of us has some kind of group coaching package because right. once people learn, you know, um, what happens, Josh, as you probably know, is people probably write to you and say, hey, I want to learn more about, you know, from you. I want to learn from you. You get 10 of those people to say that. Well, look, you now you've got a group coaching program all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you, when you podcast because people find that they like to listen to certain people and they trust how certain people explain things. So that's why you can join one person's group versus another person's group. And these groups go anywhere from $39 a month until, you know, 1200, 1500 a month. Um, and then, then you start getting into private coaching. But I think if somebody truly wants to and they're willing to invest, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be willing to invest in themselves to, to further their careers. Wow. Now, Michael, this comes from my own insecurity, but sometimes I look at being an expert who is just helping. I'm just going to help you grow your business. I, I guess there's a temptation, and maybe it's just there have been some bad eggs and so in the history. Uh, but is it? Do you ever feel like, well, sometimes people who do that are just selling snake oil? Oh yeah, I would say t- tons of yeah. them are. Yes, a huge amount of them are. Uh, but but that's again, that's kind of why the the beauty of podcasting is so great because you can listen to someone enough. Yes, that you can start getting to know what they feel like. You get the, you get look get, get a little bit of their essence, you know. And you can I would say you can make the same argument with their writing, if they have a blog post or something. Mm-hmm. What I what I have a hard time with are the like everyone's an author, speaker, coach, you know, like out in the world. That's that seems to be this. We have like this gluttony of of massive uh, author, speaker, coaches. So I get them. You know, you probably get them as well. A couple times a week, I get them. They're like, hey, I'd like to be on your show. And it's like, all right, you and the other 800 million author speaker coaches that I've heard. (laughs) And then you guys are all saying the same nine things. (laughs) So I just, you know, that's not the, um, that, that's not who I typically like to think of. But when you listen to someone's show and they do have a unique voice and they do have a way of, 
uh, disseminating information in a way that you really, really understand, that's the person you should approach mm, for coaching. Mm, nice. That's really the one that, that, that can lead you down the right path. So I appreciate that's, that. I, Thank you. That's my, um, so yeah, th- there's a snake oil piece of it, but I think that we're in a really great era um, where a lot of the new school people in this environment are sort of taking the Pat Flynn approach, which has been very sort of transparent and honest mm-hmm. and um, has integrity versus yeah. what I would consider the older like marketing guy approach, yeah. which is a lot of teleseminars and a lot of like, I don't know, there's just a lot of cheese around what they do. <laughs> yeah. Michael, last question. And thank you so much for spending so much time with us. And, and sure. that is, this program is all about abundance and, and learning how to move forward and create more and live a more abundant life. But I would love to learn from your perspective and your background, your history, what does abundance mean to you? Well, there's financial abundance and there's sort of life abundance. Yeah. So um, I'll cover both of those. The first one is when I was going through this struggle for, um, you know, many years, but really the five years, I would say this five years of from $14 to now was a, a lot of pulling myself up by my bootstraps and, and a lot of hustle and a lot of, you know, saying yes, which I think is something that a lot of successful people do. They say yes first mm-hmm. and then figure out how to make it work versus, uh, coming up with reasons why something can't work, which is what the default mode is for most yeah. humans. And I had a, um, I've been a, a vintage Porsche fan most of my life. I had posters on my wall in the eighties. <laughs> I was a huge, I date my girlfriend's dad had one and then her best friend's dad had one. So I sort of grew up around them and I would, um, I started racing cars in 2000 and I got my first vintage 911, which is a Porsche, um, in 2003. It was a piece of crap. I, I flew across country to buy this thing and it was awful, yeah. but it was mine and it was still pretty on the outside and, and it was a, it was, it was a dream for me to sort of realize part of that, you know, even when the chaos going on, I could sort of find my way to that. And, and so, um, they, Porsche had a sponsor in the sixties, uh, in the seventies and the company is called Hoyer, which was tag Hoyer before tag was involved. Oh yeah, sure. So if you ever see an old Steve McQueen shot and he's got this white, you know, jacket on with the the blue and the orange stripe, you'll see a Hoyer logo sitting right next to it. You'll, you'll see Gulf and you'll see Hoyer, which are the two big sponsors. So those watches, so what you saw Steve McQueen wearing in Le Mans um, was a, either a vintage Atavia or vintage Carrera Hoyer, so pre-tag Hoyer. And they're very sought after now. And they are, you know, a real collectible watch, but you can't, you know, you don't get into one for less than three grand. That is like the... That's the beginning price of one of these things. And so I've had one of those on my vision board for years, I mean, Mm. six years. And uh, a couple months ago, I uh, sent a bunch of cash to a guy in France, and he sent me my 1972 Hoyer Carrera. And it was such an absurd spend for me (laughs) because I've been in this world of like, living so lean, like everything in my life was leaned, you know, like I got my rent down, I got my, all my expenses down, no car payment, nothing. Like I was just trying to survive. So for me to spend what, you know, had a few couple of zeros on it, on this watch that I just got to wear, that's all it did. 
was just something I got to wear, was really superfluous to me. Mm. So that to me was sort of a, that was a moment that I'd said, this five-year journey has just ended. This is the cap of that journey. This is the successful end of that five years. And now I'm looking ahead to the future. Hmm. So that was abundance for me from a financial standpoint, is to even be able to do that. And by the way, not worry about it. Just go, yeah, fine. You know, and like two days later, I had a friend that borrowed money from me. And I was like, yeah, sure, pay back whenever. And that is absurd to me yeah. to think about where I was. And now I'm writing checks to friends that like would have paid three months of rent. So it was really crazy in that respect. Abundance in life for me is the ability to to just be to be uh to be exactly who you want to be uh and I'll say it for me who exactly who I want to be every single day so my days are I typically can wake up when I want to wake up I go play with my dog for a while I go work out sit down play my drums for a while go then go to work maybe I'll go to a coffee shop or I'll record with great guests and have great conversations with someone and I just have this element of time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom. And I'm in love with my wonderful girlfriend. We get to travel around. I mean, that's abundance. Mm. And to be surrounded by something like that, we just had a, a, a podcast movement over the yep. weekend in <laughs> Dallas. And that was just a group. That was just a weekend of abundance. It was a weekend of people that were supporting each other and having fun I was able to share my gift with them. They were able to share their gifts with me. That is what it's supposed to be about. And I'm so fortunate because my my company that is weirdly I'm I'm even though I'm still using the products, my network marketing company is having their big annual rah rah event in San Diego <laughs> coming up in like two days, yeah. and it's going to be another five days of being surrounded by incredibly positive, healthy, successful, abundant thinking people. Mm. And I can't wait. There's so I'm I'm. I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, there's something to be said for the law of association. Mm. I, man, I'll tell you. Opportunities come from those kinds of groups. If, if the only thing you ever did, I'll give, you, I'll give someone a little ninja tip I have. If you happen to be in a situation where you can work from home or maybe you're unemployed um, or unemployable, like in my case, one of the best things I ever did for my career, and I'm not kidding about this, is I would do working happy hours. I'd bring my laptop. I'd go to Jake's or some super high-end restaurant in the nicest part of town that had Wi-Fi. I'd put my laptop on the bar. I'd go there about 4.30. I'd get a glass of wine, and I would just start working. And before I knew it, the place is packed, and people are running around, and it's loud. I would have at least, because people would come up to me and go, what are you doing, man? Why are you working in the middle of happy hour? <laughs> and we would have these incredible conversations. And I was having incredible conversations with the most successful people in my city. Wow. Because that's where I went. I went to where they were. Now, that cost me a $12 glass of wine. Yeah. And doors opened. Opportunities opened for me. And so if someone finds themselves in that spot, you have to surround yourself with the people that are successful. It's your number one priority. Mm. Get those people out of your life that are that are the naysayers. You know, as we as they say, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time mm -hmm. with. Go <laughs> around those people that are the successful ones. And by the way, you're one of the five. That internal monologue you have is one of those five people. So if you're one of those people that say, oh, I can't do this, or I don't have time, or I'm not talented enough, 
shut that person up and go talk to some people that can understand you better than you can understand you. Michael, what a great way to to end this this discussion. That that was just golden. And and I hope I thought yeah. so too. I thought I switched that one. I just like I made the little swish motion at the end of saying that. Nice. Well, Michael, can you tell share with everyone how they can find you, where they can follow you, how you can be of service to them? Yeah. Um so if anybody's interested in that that group coaching, we have a we have a group called Solo Lab. And it is truly the most incredible 65 people that I've been around since I started my show. These are people that are highly motivated. They're trying to start podcasts and online businesses, offline businesses. Uh, it's really incredible. So you can go to IWantSoloLab.com or you can find me anywhere else. I'm at Solo Hour because no one can spell preneur. So I shortened everything to Solo Hour. Uh, SoloHour.com. I'm at Solo Hour on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. So that's how you find it. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Josh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you at the next event. Sounds great. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I really picked up some great information as I chatted with Michael. I took some notes. And as a result of my conversation with him, it's really uh, helped me to solidify some of the things that I know that I want to do. So hopefully you found this helpful as well. So if you enjoy this program, if you could do me a great favor, it's really not much. I mean, I'm not asking you to fork over big cash or anything, but if you would do me a favor, leave a positive review in iTunes. Here's why. What happens when you leave a review in iTunes? Well, then uh, it helps my rankings. And, and that's really important because I want to share this message of abundance with a larger audience, and I can't do it on my own. I really appreciate that you've subscribed, and I really appreciate that you've listened. And I would love to be able to share this message with more and more people, people who have not yet found this. And so your review will really make that happen. And as a special thank you. Uh, what I'm doing is that everybody who leaves that positive review in the month of October, you're going to be entered to win a contest. And the winner, one person will be randomly selected uh, of all those who leave a five-star review, and you will be entered to win 90 days of our VIP flagship money-saving system called Enlightened Shopping. And what that'll do is that'll help you save three $400 a month or more at the grocery store. All you have to do is just tell us exactly the kind of products you buy and scientifically we'll tell you how you can get the lowest prices on everything. And we're talking prices like 60, 70, and 80% off or more of Again, the things that you're already buying. And you can find out more information about that if you're interested by just going to savingsangel.com. And right on the front page, there's a, a list of all the things that are free at my website. And then there's a couple of things that are upgradable if you're interested in that. But regardless, thank you so much for taking this time on this program, spending some time with me. I'm grateful to be of service. And with that, make sure to have a great day. Have a great week. And as always, live abundantly. Follow the path to super rich guy. There, you rarely find one that's kind of boring. They're all a little weird.